Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ, yesterday and today, the beginning and the end, to Christ belongs all time and all ages, to Christ belongs all glory and dominion, now and forever. Amen. Rejoice, heavenly powers, sing choirs of angels. Exalt all creation around God's throne. Jesus Christ, our King, is risen. Sound the trumpet of salvation. Rejoice, O earth, in shining splendor. Radiant in the brightness of your King. Christ has conquered, glory fills you. Darkness vanishes forever. Rejoice, O Church of Christ, exalt in glory. The risen Savior shines upon you. Let this place resound with joy, echoing the mighty song of all God's Except this Easter candle, a flame divided but undimmed, a pillar of fire that glows to your honor, O God. Let it mingle with the lights of heaven and continue bravely burning to dispel the darkness of this world's night. May the morning star which never sets find this flame still burning. Christ, that morning star, who came back from the dead and shed his peaceful light on all mankind, your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.
The Old Testament reading for this sunrise service from the 14th chapter of Exodus, verse 10 through the first verse of chapter 15. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they were in great fear. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt, Let us alone, and let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been far better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again, and the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be still. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the people of Israel may go on dry ground through the sea. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then the angel of God, who went before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and the night passed without one coming near the other all night. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night, and he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and of the cloud, looked down upon the host of the Egyptians and discomfited them, the whole host of the Egyptians clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, and upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And so Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its wonted flow when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled into it, and the Lord routed the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not so much as one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work 
which the Lord did against the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Epistle reading from the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preached to you the gospel which you received and which you now stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold it fast, unless you believed it in vain. For I delivered unto you, as of first important, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared unto Cephas, and then unto the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared also unto me. For I am the least of the apostles unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. Whether then it was I or they, So we preach, and so you believed. This is the word of the Lord.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw that the tomb and the stone had been taken away from the tomb, and so she ran, and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter then came out with the other disciple, and they went toward the tomb. And they both ran, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying, and the napkin which had been on his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And saying this, she turned round, and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went. She said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things unto her. This is the gospel of the Lord. We remain standing for the choral response, followed then by the creed.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Christ. Our text for today and this morning's Easter sunrise sermon is drawn both from St. John's account of the resurrection we heard just a moment ago, also from St. Luke's 
St. John writes, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. St. Luke tells us, though, also that, that two men, two angels, said to Mary and the women who were with her, Why seek ye the living? Among the dead he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered up into the hands of sinners and be put to death, but the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. Dear friends, remember, remember. It's evident from the fact that Mary Magdalene, as we heard a moment ago, stood outside the tomb weeping that she didn't remember. Sometimes we forget how to remember. Other times we can't forget. Journalist Paul Harvey, known for the rest of the story, tells of one old man who couldn't forget. Gratitude prompted this old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern sea coast of Florida. Every Friday night, until his death in 1973, he'd return walking slowly, slightly stooped over with a bucket of shrimp in hand. The seagulls would all flock to this old man and he'd feed them from the bucket. Well, Harvey tells that many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a, a mission in his B-17 bomber to deliver a, an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But an unexpected detour would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, this B-17 flying fortress was lost beyond radio contact. With fuel running dangerously low, the men decided to ditch the plane in the ocean. So for nearly a month, Eddie and his companions were adrift on the sea, fighting the water and the weather and the scorching sun. They spent many a sleepless night recoiling while sharks would ram their rafts as they floated along. But you know, of all the enemies at sea, it was starvation that proved most formidable for them. At eight days out only in their one-month journey on the sea, at eight days out already their rations were gone, destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them. And it was a miracle that took place. As Rickenbacker tells it, he said, one afternoon as they floated along, one read the afternoon service, a prayer was then said for deliverance, a hymn was sung. Afterward, there was some talk, but soon it tapered off in the heat. Eyes closed as he dozed. Captain Eddie suddenly felt something land on his head. He said, I knew. I knew what it was. It was a seagull. I just knew it. And peering out under his hat, he could tell that the others knew it too. They were staring at that seagull, and that seagull meant for them food. He said, it meant food if I could catch it, and, and the rest is, is history. Eddie caught the gull. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines used to catch more fish. The crew was sustained, their hopes renewed, because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. You know that Captain Eddie Rickenbacker made it, and you know also that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch of 
the eastern Florida seacoast, there's an old man with a bucket of shrimp to feed the gulls, to remember that one which, on a day long past, gave itself without a fight. My friends, today we remember too. This Easter morn we sit here alive, very alive and well, because one Jesus Christ ventured myriad miles, it would seem, from his home to offer himself, to offer himself up without a fight, so that we might have life and so that we might have hope. On Good Friday we came face to ugly face with the true nature of our sin and the effect of it, and that cannot be underestimated. It is more desolating, it's more isolating, it's more devastating than being hopelessly adrift on an open and a hostile sea. Don't you recall what Isaiah said of our sins? He said, your sins have separated you from your God so that he would hide his face from you. That's what sin does. Those are the eternal consequences of sin, both temporal and eternal. But my friends, we need never know the true and undiluted nature of our sins. It's because they were assumed by that divine visitor, Jesus Christ. He embraced them. And he would not let them go until he dragged them down with him into the grave. Well, that was Friday. Today is Sunday. And we go where Scripture would have us go. We go to the tomb. And through the eyes of Mary and the other women that were there, and through the eyes of Peter and the swifter John, through their eyes we go to the tomb and we peer into the tomb and we go there. And like Eddie Rickenbacker, we go to remember the one who on a day long past gave himself as a sacrifice without complaint. That's what the women were doing, wasn't it? They were going to to take care of some, some business that had not been taken care of and to remember. And we go to his tomb, but him we do not find. Him there we do not find, for we will not find the living among the dead. Now if we don't remember what he said, then we too, like those women that morning, we will find ourselves quite perplexed, in life quite perplexed. If we do not remember what he promised would come to pass, then we find ourselves like the women on that morning, and like Mary Magdalene there on that morning, who came to the tomb to encounter an unforgettable situation. But not remembering what they should have remembered, their forgetfulness gave way to fear. You see, the empty tomb of their Lord was a good thing. It was the best thing. It was like a, like a single budding flower or rose on a bush once thought dead. It meant life with more to come. The empty tomb of their Lord was the prearranged, God-ordained sign that the entirety of Jesus Christ's work upon the cross Dealing once and for all time and for all people with all of their sins entirely, your sins and mine and the eternal effects of them. 
It was the sign that his work was well-pleasing and all-sufficient to God the Holy Trinity. Remember what Scripture says? He was offered up for our transgressions, Paul writes, but raised for our justification. That was what the empty tomb meant. It's what the empty tomb still means. As long as he lives, that's what it means. And had they remembered what he said, for how many times had he reminded them on his way to Calvary that the Son of Man must be handed over? It was of divine necessity. He must be handed over into the hands of sinners for the sake of us sinners and put to death, suffer, be crucified. But he said, I will rise again. The empty tomb of their Lord was good news indeed. It still is. But not remembering their forgetfulness made way for fear. Isn't that true for you and for me too? In the perplexities of life, we often do forget what our Lord said. We often forget what our Lord did. But most certainly our Lord would have us remember. He'd have us remember always what he said and what he's done. That's why through Moses, he said to his delivered people of old, we heard about it in the Old Testament reading this morning, those people, the ones he, by his mighty arm, carried out of bondage, by the blood of a spotless lamb, drawn through the water, soaring parallels to our own condition and situation. The blood of Christ, the spotless lamb, freeing us from bondage. But, but through Moses, he said to his delivered people of old, he said, remember, because our Lord would have us remember. He said, remember this day on which you went out of bondage by the strength of the Lord. He'd have us to remember. That's why Joshua would remind the people 40 years later, the people of old poised and ready to cross the threshold between the wilderness wanderings and the promised land, that Jordan River. That's why Joshua said, remember the word that was told to you. It's why King David would exhort his brethren saying, remember his marvelous works and his word that he commanded you. It's why when on the night that he was betrayed, when he knew the lives of his dear disciples would soon enter into a perplexity the likes of which they had never seen. That's why our Lord said to them, Remember what I say to you. For this I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I have told you of them. So you see how our Lord would have us to remember his word and his work? But how often we enter into the perplexities of life, Indeed, and especially the great ones. And just like Mary Magdalene and the women at the tomb, and even Peter and John, so often we don't remember when the time comes. We don't remember. And forgetting, we fall into fear. We're consumed, perhaps, by the fear of what the radiology x-ray or the medical test might tell us what the results might reflect. We're sleepless over what they did reflect. Even as Christians, sometimes we face the future 
far more full of fear than faith, precisely because we don't remember what our Lord on this day once did and what he said he would do and what it means for us today and tomorrow. Today, we remember. Like Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, we remember in gratitude what was sacrificed for us. But unlike old Eddie, we don't return this Easter morn for sentimental reasons, to recall days gone by and to commemorate a friend that's dead and gone. No, to the contrary. This Easter morn, we go and we peer into the empty tomb of a risen and a living Lord Jesus Christ. And we remember. We remember what there was said. We remember who there was not. And we remember not for the sentimental past, but today we remember for the present. And today we remember for the future. You see, our remembering his word and his work and his resurrection is not recalling a day long past and gone. It's about remembering, remembering a present and a future life-defining reality. So don't remember for the sentimental past, but remember for the present. Remember for the present when sin's guilt drags you down. Remember then what Scripture says of His resurrection. That as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into that death and resurrection. And we're buried with him, scripture says, in baptism. And so your sins were buried with him too. So that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, Paul writes, so we too can walk in the freedom of a new life liberated from sin. Not a single one of them remains. Remember, not for the sentimental past, but remember for the present. You who are aging, you who are sick, who are lonely, who are careworn, strained under the struggles of this life, remember what your risen Lord said. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As we'll sing next service in our festival service, He lives to hear your soul's complaint. Remember for the present what Jesus Christ once did in the past and what it means even right now for your loved ones dearly departed in the faith. Remember what he told you? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. For because I live, you will live also. Think of how important those words are even today to the family of our dear brother in Christ, Chris Heinz, whom our Lord called to his eternal rest in his mansion above this past Good Friday after his many years of struggling. Remember 
And think of what these words mean to our sister Karen Lehman, whose sister died this past Monday, Thursday. How important are these words for us, their dear family in the faith? Think about these words, friends. Consider these promises of our Lord. Remember them. You members of the body of Christ, remember them and then relish in them. For how could the risen living head rise and leave the members dead? Because I live, you will live also. Remember. Remember the resurrection for the present. Remember it too, though, for the future. Remember it as life wears on and as you wear out. Remember the resurrection of our Lord, what it means now and and what it will mean. On that last and that great day for all who do trust in the saving work of Christ Jesus, old rickety Job did, didn't he? Job. More than 2,000 years before the death and resurrection of our Lord, Job, remembering for the future, he gave us this sweet sentence. I know that my Redeemer lives. You hear the confidence? I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at last upon the earth. And after this skin has been thus destroyed, this I know. That in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. How my heart yearns within me, he said. So friends, remember his word. For as Mary and the women at the tomb found out, as his slow to believe disciples too found out, it will come to pass. It did come to pass. And precisely because it did come to pass on that first Easter morning, this word of his too will come to pass, that in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised incorruptible, the dead in Christ, and we shall be forever changed, and then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death. Death is swallowed up in victory. For because I live, you shall live also. My friends, that's why, gratefully, we remember the resurrection. So remember it for today. Remember it for tomorrow. In the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We rise and sing our post-sermon hymn.
be, O living Lord Jesus Christ, our hope for tomorrow. In this early morning Easter hour, when we have come in spirit to the tomb and found it gloriously empty, we celebrate your resurrection, and we pray that by your power, we too, in the day of the resurrection of all flesh at time's end, will be raised to eternal life, to there behold thee in eternal glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be, O Christ, our help for today. In our times of sickness, be our help and our hope and heal us and grant us your grace and our, that daily strength that we need that we might be able to bear our afflictions according to your holy will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our hour of death, be our help and our hope and by your many promises save us from despair that we may finally close our eyes in peace only to find ourselves in heaven by your grace. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In our day of sorrow, be our help and our hope as we grieve the death of loved ones. And especially today, do we pray for Jennifer Heinz at the death of her husband, Chris, this past Friday. Comfort her and Chris's mother, Ellie, with the promises of the resurrection. Also, we pray for Karen Lehman at the death of her sister that you would be with and bless her with those same promises. In our day of want and our Day of need, be our help, O Lord, and our hope, and grant us all the necessities of life. And in our day of abundance and plenty, keep us from seeking more than you desire us to have, lest we be deceived by all the good that the world offers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our day of trouble, be our help and our hope, and guide us when we're confused, and lead us by your Holy Spirit, that we might be enabled by his power to readily confess our sins, and rightly to receive your forgiveness through your word and sacraments, and boldly profess your name in the morning and the midday and the evening of our lives. Lord, in your mercy, Amen. hear our prayer. And finally, O God of all kindness, on this day of highest celebration, we give you thanks for all of the many blessings that you give to all of us and that we celebrate in life, including anniversaries of marriage, of years of baptismal grace, and years of life in this world. And to this end, especially, do we pray for Carl Von Borstel, the father of Kathy Ashton, thanking you for the 87th year of life that he marks today on this day of life and living. O risen Lord, be constantly present in all of our homes and the lives of all of your people, that we might ever celebrate with gratitude all of your mercies. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, O risen and living Lord Jesus Christ, who with the Holy Spirit is our advocate with God the Father, to whom you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O ever-living friend of sinners, risen gloriously from the dead, be thou with us, and by thy power raise us from our sin, the newness of life. Thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. Of thy kingdom there shall be no end. Hallelujah. Amen.
And now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in the vibe with you all. Amen. Amen.